In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers have got an interception and a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. Glad to have you with us on a Wednesday. A lot of breaking news happening today. We will get to all of that. NFL. Scott Sprites will join us a little bit later on as we preview this coming week, week 11 of the National Football League. Plus, we've got college football, more cancellations, including UNLV. We'll dive into that. A uh, real special guest uh, today, close to my heart, Paul Westhead, the former coach at Loyola Marymount, the former coach of the Lakers. Coached five other teams in the NBA as well, too. He will join us, as I like to call him, the guru of go. And if you saw the ESPN 30 for 30 years ago about Paul Westhead and the system, his fast break system. So uh, we'll look forward to talking with uh, the former coach, Paul Westhead, on the program today. Chris Bozzi will join us as we'll talk a little Cubs as GM Theo Epstein resigns after nine seasons. So a lot to do. A lot to cover on the program. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank in the house. What is going on, my friend? Uh, you know, uh, just another day when you turn on the TV and you're wondering why you're turning on the TV because there's cancellations and COVID news and everything else. But there was an exciting baseball game last night for game two of the Korean baseball organization in the finals. So uh, Doosan takes a 5-1 lead into the ninth. Almost blow it, but they hold on for the 5-4 victory. Exciting, exciting game. NC Dinos hit into 5 Five double plays in the game. <laughs> this is quality baseball? It's entertaining. It's entertaining. Well, I thought you could save that when we have Scott Sprites around today. Because, you know, Scott, aside from you, probably the only two people in Las Vegas that are wa- that is watching the KBO World Series. Not so, my friend. Last night, somebody else right in this very studio was watching some of it. This is true. You mean the guy that's uh, wear- wearing the Miami Dolphins shirt slash jersey but he has no idea what he's wearing right now. So I'll, I'll, I'll just paint the picture here. So Numchuk on the other side of the glass today. I'm not going to touch this jersey. It looks like it's still wrinkled coming out of the box. Uh, he loves shopping. And he loves bargain basement shopping. Uh, and he's got a Miami Dolphins shirt slash jersey on with a number one. Yeah, the but te- Frank, the, the, the teal color jersey. Yes, but he has no idea that he's wearing a... False jersey. The false negative. The false positive. You're wearing a false jersey. You're wearing a number one jersey today. And I imagine you got that jersey because of Tua. I'm sure that's why you did it. Oh, and the fact that it was $6.50, yeah. including shipping and handling. But those of us that know, Frank. Big discount. Big discount. That that number should not be worn by Tua. Because that's not Tua's number. It's Tua's number now. Whose number is it, Frank? Well, I mean, it's, technically it is Tua's number now. It is Tua's number now. But that jersey should have been retired and never worn by another Dolphin. I didn't know, you don't know this, do you, Chuck? You think it should have been retired by that player? <laughs> Why not? He was famous. 
Well, that's famous because he can't throw. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, Garo, you premium. One of the greatest kickers of all time. With one of the most iconic passes or non-passes or attempted passes or whatever you want to call it in history on a botched snap when he picks up the ball and he's like, I got to get rid of it. And, oh, it was it's hilarious. That is one of the reasons why to this day, even still in 2020, a lot of people say kickers aren't real athletes. <laughs> now, we know that some are. We know that some are actually yes. very good at yes. both. But um, Gary Upermium, he was a kicker that was just a kicker. And you could tell just not just by his portly body, but back in those days, remember the kickers used to wear for their face mask? He had the single bar face mask, and he looked horrendous in it. And it but he was a great kicker. I mean, he was one of the greatest kickers of his time in the he 70s. He was solid. He was solid. He was solid. And he was part of the undefeated Dolphins team, correct? I believe so, yes. Yes. So, therefore, retire that man's number. I don't think you retire, retire that, that man's number. You know, there's only so many numbers that each organization I has. Know. And to retire Garo your premiums, how low is that bar? <laughs> you, I bet you've never seen an organization... Retire a kicker's number, have you? Think about it. The only one that I can think of did, well, the Raiders could have possibly retired Ray Guy. Punter. He he, he, he was a kicker. He was a great punter. The one that I would think maybe is retired, and we think of him more as a quarterback than a kicker, was George Blanda. Exactly. And and do you realize when. 16. Do you realize in the 50s when the Bears had George Blanda, they only used him as a kicker? They didn't let him play quarterback. That's true. That's true. They traded him, and then he went on to be a Hall of Famer as a quarterback. Yeah, yeah They let bad. him play quarterback for a couple of years, and they said, no, no, you don't have what it takes. Yeah. We have so many dynamic quarterbacks in Chicago. You're our kicker. George Blanda also once said about Papa Bear George Hallis, the game has passed him by. He needs to retire and step aside. That was in 1953. Oh. <laughs> there you go. But see, you had you guys like uh, Jack Kincannon and uh, Bobby Douglas in the wings waiting. There you go. They, 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 there you they, go with those clowns. They, they, they could have retired. Actually, back then they had. How about um, that knowledge, huh? Isn't that some strong knowledge for a diehard Bears fan? Bobby Douglas, who went on to pitch for the Chicago White Sox and married a Playboy uh, centerfold. I believe he was number 10 as well, too. Bobby Douglas would have been a great fullback. He was not a good quarterback. But back then, they actually had Bobby Lane as one of their backup quarterbacks. (laughs) Backup quarterback, Bobby Lane. There you go. But Sid Luckman was the guy that took over, I believe, for Blandis. So, I mean, he probably did okay there. He probably was. He probably maybe at that point of his career. Numchuck, never heard of Garrow Upremium, did you? Never. Now, Now you feel bad that you're wearing that jersey. Because you got a knockoff. You got a knockoff jersey. You got a fake jersey from this guy who is their quarterback right now. That I'm going to call him a guy until he can prove that he can be a quality NFL quarterback. I'm not buying the, the hype. I'm not drinking the Kool Aid. I wasn't drinking at Alabama. They, Nick Saban gave Jalen Hurts' job away to that guy. Should have never gave him that job. And when Hurts came back, when he was healthy, what did he do? perfectly fine. Only completed 70% of his passes. I'm still bitter about that. And I was so glad to see Jalen Hurts go to Oklahoma and do so well and be a Heisman finalist. You are so bitter about that. I am. I'll tell you why. Because the guy was 26-1 when he left Alabama as a starter. That's how good he was at Alabama. See, I have a hard time saying it like that. Because every time when I hear of the Crimson Tide, I just think of Keith Jackson and Alabama. Alabama. The Crimson Tide. <laughs> the big uglies. <Yeah. laughs> 
I, I just, I, I'm just waiting for the break to see when Nomchuk starts to uh, Google and find out Gero your premium, and he tries to figure out how the hell do they spell this? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he did know that he had one crossbar there, you yeah, know, on the face bar there. That was good. Another kicker that maybe could have been, I, I, it's only for one field, but remember Tom Dempsey with the old club foot? What are you talking about? The guy was nails. Yeah. But but, wasn't more than just the 63-yard. But I'm saying how you were talking about kickers that could have potentially maybe had their numbers retired. Right. Tom Dempsey at the time. I mean, his 63-yarder was the record for a long, long time. And and then some people said that he cheated because he had the special shoot because <laughs> he didn't have the whole foot. Yeah, that killed me. People <laughs> said that should be illegal. He's got a club foot. The guy's got half of a foot, and you want to? And he gets the record anyway. Oh yeah, but who knows? There could have been cement in there. There's half of a foot. It, it, it's not like it's it's like he's got six inches of 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 a foot, and he's got another six inches of of brick and mortar in there. Anybody saw it? It was you, you could wrap it in your hand. Yeah, no, not like this guy had a, a, was wearing a size sixteen shoe. Every time I think of something like that, I think of the old uh, the collegiate wrestler that um, was born and he, he didn't have both of his legs. The the the, the legs weren't formed, and he won a championship. Yeah. And then people that wrestled him said, "Well, it's not fair because they don't have anything to, they can't get a single leg in that kind of stuff, so they can't do the no single leg takedown." It's, it's like seriously, you guys, are, he's got an advantage because he doesn't have legs. <laughs> Come on, you just lost to the guy. Give him his props. The guy probably was from Iowa, wasn't he? Uh, he might have been. If, if might you're have been. a great wrestling I mean, from Iowa, a, right? a lot of great wrestlers do come from Iowa. Oklahoma State also has a good There's wrestling that, program. Yeah, yeah. Iowa does, yeah. Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Minnesota's Oklahoma. got a lot of professional wrestlers that also came out of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. They got a decent team, but uh, they, 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 the, the, the old AWA and NWA were packed. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's be clear. Professional wrestling, I, and I did say that. Yeah, I said I professional wrestlers. Yeah. All right, some of them were good collegiate wrestlers first. <laughs> All right, breaking news here as uh, we come on the show here today: the Las Vegas Raiders are in jeopardy of potentially playing on Sunday. Uh, John Gruden addressed the media about an hour ago. News came out that defensive end Cleveland Farrell as a tested positive for COVID-19. So he is in the protocol. And then uh, they shut practice down, I guess, a little bit early today, sent a lot of the defensive uh, linemen home, not just defensive linemen. And Gruden wasn't saying exactly how many uh, are affected here, but at least eight that we know about on the defense. And I believe uh, eight starters, I believe, as well. Yeah, LaMarcus Joyner was the one that they first announced right because of the contract tracing with Farrell, and then since then, a lot more names and numbers and that kind of stuff has come out. So Right. So this news coming down about an hour or so ago, I know we tweeted out before we hit the air, and uh, give you more updates on this. So, uh, yeah, the Raiders have placed uh, Jonathan Abram, uh, Malik Collins, and Jonathan Hankins, David Irving, Isaiah Johnson, Arden Key, and Kendall Vickers on the reserve COVID-19 list. So there it is. That is your latest update. Now, what this means is, now Cleveland Farrell has already been ruled out. He's not going to play, not coming back around the facility, so he's out for Sunday night's game against Kansas City. The guys we just mentioned, they could possibly play, and Gruden even suspects that they will play, if uh, there are no further negative tests between today and uh, Sunday. Now, this is a very similar situation that happened a few weeks ago. Remember when the Raiders were going to have that Sunday night uh, game and they had to move it, and then Sunday night football went over to Arizona 
you know, for the Cardinal game that night. So they said they are not going to move the game this time. How crazy would that be? The last time Sunday Night Football NBC was supposed to be here, they're on their way. You know, wait a minute, pack it up, let's go. We're going to Arizona. This time, I guess they're coming, and the NFL is saying, "Okay, we're going to leave everything in place here." And as we know, the NFL they want to plug through everything and try to play here. But uh, yes, the Raiders again. So this begs the question of all the you know we hear this with college. There's so many colleges that are affected, and we'll get into more cancellation. I think the number now is up to 12 or 13 between cancellations, postponements, and today's only Wednesday. But in the NFL, we're not seeing all teams affected, but the Raiders have been in the forefront of this conversation a lot. Well, they've already been fined twice for it, right? Exactly. And and, and now they're still having a bunch of issues, and now the NFL announces today that they're going to make the protocols a little bit more stringent. You must wear a face mask uh, during practices. They want Zoom calls during stuff. I've actually heard some some talk that they're going to basically make practices not allow them anymore. Right. That there's talk of just saying everything will be on Zoom and they'll go over the game plans and that sort of stuff. But basically you're playing on Thursday or Sunday or whenever your game is or Monday night. And uh, can you imagine that? How do you handicap games if they're not going to allow practices anymore? But there is talk or rumor of that happening. So the the tweet that came out uh, earlier today, nearly the entire Raiders starting defense is going on the COVID-19 list because of high risk, close contacts but all are eligible to play in the game if they continue to test negative. So we'll have to keep uh, an eye on the situation here. But, yeah, just you would think, I mean, after losing a draft pick, and I I know some people say, well, it was, you know, six-round draft pick, no big deal. But still, you got the fines, and you got the carelessness. I mean, going to the event at at Dragon Ridge Country Club, you know, last month or a month and a half ago, you had that, just a black eye, doesn't look good. And then you continue to to have this situation, and especially in the offensive line where the Raiders lost the entire offensive line for practice. Most of those guys came back and played, but they weren't practicing. They weren't practicing all week. And so you have the same situation on the defensive side of the ball. Your guys, your key guys, eight of your key guys on defense are not going to be practicing this week. Oh, and by the way, you got the world champs coming into town here. And... uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is, is 18-1, and one, that lone loss against the Raiders at Arrowhead Stadium back uh, in the middle of October. So, yeah, not a good sign. It'll be interesting. We'll talk to Scott Spritzer a little bit later about any line movement in this game. Currently right now, or at least this morning, it was the Chiefs favored by seven on the road here at Allegiant Stadium for Sunday night. It'll be interesting to see if uh, this line has moved already or will move or if the books have just taken it down. Yeah, by the end of the season, we might see a lot of our uh, sportsbook managing friends that have uh, gray hair or no hair after this year with everything going on. But, yeah, you mentioned that it went from the offensive line. Now it's on the defense. It's all over the place. I don't know how sportsbooks make lines on these games anymore or if they circle every game that there's contingencies and that sort of stuff. But And I also don't know what the answer is because it seems like we're having more and more of these outbreaks, and it's just uh, you, you never know. Like you mentioned, here it is only Wednesday. We have that many college games canceled. The pros are going on with, with the thing they're going we know that down in Miami uh you know their team has rescheduled three college games and I know we're going to get into that and yet you still have the Tampa Bay Lightning assistant coach having parties where people are drinking out of the cup and that it's like so many people are still acting like this is nothing and they're acting like the vaccine's already out there and it's like well it's over we've turned the corner it's like no it's not do you see what's going on here 
on a daily basis, almost an hourly update basis. And as we know, we've talked about this before with Dr. Christina Madison, this is just isn't sports. I mean, it's here locally. It's in so many cities. Uh, again, the state of New Mexico, I mean, New Mexico is out here at Sam Boyd Stadium. They've basically been sequestered out here, quarantined out here, playing their game at, in an empty Sam Boyd Stadium. Living New, in a hotel. Living in a hotel, <laughs> exactly. New Mexico State now bolts out of out of there in Las Cruces, and now they're going to Arizona to hunker down and, and play their games there. It's it's everywhere, and we hear more and more restaurants are shutting down in California. A lot of people like to say, okay, well, Governor Sislak, well, he just mirrors what uh, Newsom is doing, the governor in California, and there is a, a big threat here that there will be more closures, uh, possibly casino closures. Why? Because of the carelessness. Really, that's really what it's all about. And we preach social distancing, wear the mask, but let's face it, athletes, and you know, there's there's stories out there that it's just not the, the collegiate athletes, it's the athletes. It, it's the other people that are on campus. And we've talked about that before. People still gathering at bars. People are just tired of it. They're tired of it. And if you don't know one who's been affected by COVID, you take it less seriously. I'm a firm believer that they said, hey, enough of this. We want to live our lives. And that's why we're seeing it. Because are the numbers going up because of winter weather? I know that's probably part of it. But the way that they're shooting up the way they are, is it because of that? Or is it because people are just, they're careless and they don't care anymore? Well, I think part of it is, I, I think part of obviously they are going up because a lot more people are being tested. I mean, that just makes common sense. The asymptomatic people in that that wouldn't that you wouldn't know had it because they're showing no signs, they get tested and they have it. It's a good news, bad news scenario. The numbers are going up, the death rates and that are going down. But um, the one thing where I will slightly disagree or maybe adjust your statement there of, you know, if you don't know somebody that's had it, the scary thing to me is pretty much by this time, everybody's knowing somebody that's had it or has been affected by it. And people still don't care. I, I have a couple friends right now that are in the hospital, or at least acquaintances that are in the hospital right now from it. And there's other people still going on social media and that go, well, it's not a big deal, this and that, we got the vaccine. It's like, and, and these people know the same people that I do in that. And, and there might be more than that that I know. I've known some other people that have been in the hospital. I've known some people that have passed from COVID. And I don't have a gigantic circle of people that I, you know, I mean, Facebook friends and that aren't real friends and that sort of stuff. They're people that, you know, through social media or whatever. But, but that's what's weird to me is it's like even people that have been affected are still acting like I'm tired of it. And we're a week and a day away from Thanksgiving. <laughs> so the Raiders, and just to, to make one more point about that, we talked about the fines. The number is over $1 million. The Raiders have been fined $1 million so far for the COVID, I want to say the antics that, uh, you know, the ignoring or whatever they've been doing. $1 million in fines of what the Raiders have been assessed by the National Football League. For failing to um, go by the proper NFL protocols. Right. All right. More breaking news just uh, coming up here that... There was talk yesterday that the UNLV Colorado State game, which will, is supposed to be played in Colorado, uh, was going to be canceled. And then UNLV refuted that uh, late yesterday, early this morning, saying, no, as of right now, we are, we are still playing. Uh, we just got word uh, right before we came on the air 
that the game has been canceled now. So UNLV, Colorado State, it's a cancellation. It's not a postponement. The game has been canceled because UNLV has four positive cases. And I will read you the statement that we just got from a good friend, Andy Grossman, at the UNLV Athletics. And uh, it says as follows, based on four positive COVID-19 test results in our football program, the resulting contact tracing and consulting with our medical and epidemiology, oh, you say that, Frank, Uh, epidemiology uh, experts. We'll have uh, Numchuk edit that out later. Epidemiology? Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Insert Frank's uh, word there. UNLV will not travel this weekend for its scheduled game at Colorado State and has informed the Mountain West and Colorado State. So over the past six weeks, more than 2,600 tests have been administered to the UNLV football student-athletes, coaches, and staff in a positivity rate of less than 0.6%. Unfortunately, with these surging cases in the Las Vegas community, which we just got done talking about, and despite the efforts of our student-athletes, coaches, and staff to adhere to the health and safety protocols, the decision to not play this weekend is in the best health and safety interests of all involved. So... There is a statement there. Marcus Arroyo also made a statement, and uh, in paraphrasing what Marcus Arroyo had to say, he said they are very disappointed that they will not be playing this week. And again, this is a game that is being canceled. It will not be made up. Yeah, and 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 again, the Mountain West is another one of those conferences that got the late start, so they didn't leave themselves as much wiggle room in that. And when you don't allow teams to then go outside and you know play other teams or do something else, uh, it's not like you know Colorado State can't say, well, okay, UNLV can't play, but we'll cut somebody else out there. So, and, but those are the times we're living in. It's like we're constantly navigating this stuff. Like I say, it's, it's almost you, you don't even want to get up in the morning almost and turn on the TV, but you have to. And then when you do, I, I've told you the last couple of weeks. When we're doing our best bets on Friday, I'm cringing every week because right. I don't know what the heck's going on. Last week, one of my teams was canceled. I picked another one. It happened to come through for me. But then one of the other games I had had, Miami, it actually won. But Miami, Florida, I didn't know they were going to have 13 positive tests that day. That game almost got canceled right before kickoff. And now we know that the Hurricanes have rescheduled their last three, three games. And then it's actually affected, I believe, six other teams besides Miami, not just the teams they're playing, but teams that those teams are going to play because they've moved their schedule around in that. And that's assuming that everything goes well and that they quit having positives. They had 13 tests last week, and they said there's more cases on the team right now. Yeah, it is hard to handicap, especially college football here, and even the NFL. When I'm making my picks, I am making sure that I am putting in my bets on Sunday morning and, and I would like to put them in on, on Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, but I'm always leery about you know, last-minute injuries and we get that news. But now with COVID, again, you can't make these picks that well in advance. We do our best bets on Friday. I usually take Thursday and especially up late Thursday night doing all that. Now it's like, okay, i got to wait till Friday just for everything that you just said. You, know, you do all this homework and handicap and put up the best bets. But, yeah, from a handicapping perspective, it is very, very tough, and this is one of the – uh, elements we're going to talk with Scott Spritzer about when we have him on next hour. And one of the things I want to ask Scott, and because I am curious about this, and it just popped in my head now, we're talking about not knowing what's going on literally right up till kickoff sometimes. I wonder if it's made in-game wagering even that much more popular. Oh, definitely. Because at least once the yeah. game is going on, now I do yeah. know who's on the field yeah. today. Yeah, and, and I took that approach uh, with the Monday night game a couple weeks ago. It, for that reason, exactly. So there you have it. 
All right, so a lot to cover, like we said, on the program today. Scott Spricer will join us. We'll talk about uh, handicapping and betting the NFL card this weekend, as well as the college football. Keep you up to date on all the latest cancellations. Again, if you're just joining us, UNLV Colorado State, that game was supposed to take place in Colorado. 2.30 kickoff our time. That game has now been canceled. And the Raiders game with Kansas City is still on. Right now, but Cleveland Farrell, the defensive end for the Raiders, has tested positive. Uh, The Raiders have put uh, at least eight players on the defensive side of the ball into the COVID protocol. So we'll continue to keep a close eye on that story, not only just today, but the next couple days as well, too. All right. When we come back, Chris Bosio joins us, the former Cubs pitching coach. He's got some thoughts, and we talk about the Cubs losing their general manager, Theo Epstein. Now. Back to more of Las Vegas's favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin. Don't forget to sign up for that William Hill mobile account if you haven't got it yet. Please do sign up. And why? Because you can earn $50 free in your account. That's right. Use the promo code TC50. You deposit at least $50 into your account. You will get Another $50 to play with. So there you go. Do the math. Deposit 50 Play for with 100 You can't beat that. Go get signed up at williamhill.us at any of their locations throughout Nevada. Uh, specifically, our good friends at the Cosmopolitan, now a William Hill book. And, of course, you know we are there each and every Friday. So, yes, yeah, sign up. Use the promo code TC50 for the William Hill mobile app. And you can also wait right up until kickoff. That's right. And you don't have to worry about getting stuck in line and getting shut out because it's in your hand. There you if go. If you get shut out, you don't know how to tell time. There you go. All right. Speaking of the Cosmopolitan, where we will be on Friday with our best bets and our Friday home from 2 to 4 p.m., our next guest, he loves the Cosmopolitan. He loves the rooms. He loves the food. He loves the ambience. And uh, we got to give him to Vegas so he can come hang out with us. We're talking about uh, the former uh, World Series champion, Chris Bazio. What's going on, my friend? Not too much, buddy. How you doing? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. Uh, you, uh, it sounds like you're driving. You just want to keep driving. Which, which way would that be? You're coming from Arizona. You're driving which way to Vegas? Well, north. That, that'd be north, um, right? Actually, yeah. I'm sorry, but I... I'm on my way home right now. I apologize, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you got to come to town. Let's go, man. Let's go. We'll, we'll take I would love to hang out at the Cosmo. We love that place. <laughs> Nothing better than the Cubbies in Vegas. This is true. Training, and we had a, had a chance to take advantage of the hospitality at the Cosmopolitan. Great place. You got that right. All right. Boz, let's talk about uh, your, your former team, the Cubbies there. GM Theo Epstein, a guy you know very, very well. He resigns after nine seasons at the helm as general manager there. Uh, what do you think was behind Theo's decision with this? You know, Theo is a very candid and a very honest person, which I respected him immensely for that. I, I believe that he really felt like it was, it was time for him to move on. I mean, I know he's got – I mean, I could see him in a number of different roles. But there's a story I want to share with you that, you know, a lot of people don't know about. And when my dad was passing away, I shared pretty much every step of what was going on. Because Theo, he genuinely cared. And 16, we were going for that that World Series. And he, he said, Boz, if you need to go home and spend time with your dad, 
I want you to go ahead and I want you to do it now and don't worry about the team. You know, we can handle it for a couple days. I really want you to go home. And he allowed me and my, my wife, Heather, and my son, Jace, to go to, back there, spend three days with him in Cincinnati. And turned out to be, you know, that that's the last year he was with us. But, you know, and I put it in the paper that, you know, I had personal reasons for going home. And, I mean, I was at home with my dad. And I, he's the one that suggested it. I never went to him and asked for it. And this guy genuinely cares deeply about every individual. And it's an absolute honor to work for him and say that I was a part of that world championship team because I know the guy that Theo Epstein is. You know, he gets credit for being an architect of, you know, those Red Sox teams. Then when he came to Chicago – and it seemed like you know he he pretty much had had free reign to to do what he want. At least he did with, with the Cubs there. And again, it was a great time I think to probably be in that Cubs organization because you know with the ownership change at that time, you guys were able to spend some money, made some key free agent pickups. Uh, just talk a little bit about that being there during that time with Epstein and how that was and. How I just said it, it was, seemed like that's the way it was portrayed. Is that the truth? Is that how it was there? You know, when I got a phone call from Dale Swaim in 2012 at the end of the year saying, hey, it looks like I might get either Boston or the Cubs because I want you with me. And I was like, okay, what, what's the next step? He goes, well, Dale wants to talk to you. Can you be in Chicago tomorrow? And at the time, I was living up in Appleton. I was like, sure. So we asked for an 11 o'clock meeting, and we – I drove down there and obviously excitement with my family and all the Cub fans around Appleton. It was it was incredible. Went down there, met for four hours with him, like and it seemed like a half an hour, and just talked baseball. Never once did I look at the clock. Never once did he look at the clock. And you know, I just I said this is the kind of guy I really want to you know work for. Next day they called me and they said I got the job. Told me that, Boz, we know what we're giving you. Just do what you've done your whole career as a pitching coach, and we will get to where we want to be. But you got to be patient with us. We're going to sign a bunch of veteran guys. we got some guys we want to trade. We need to get them hot. You're going to do all the rotation stuff. We need an influence who knows the league. And at that time, I had just come out of the PCL. Before that, the Southern League which was considered one of the better baseball leagues in all the minor leagues. So my vast scouting and being in player development, you're required to make game reports on everybody you see. So now that entailed two complete leagues, leagues where we competed in the double-A for the ERA title, and then our triple-A season led the entire league by one earned run and then got the job, as you know, with the Milwaukee Brewers when Billy Castro was let go. Right. The next couple years, we developed some pitching. Scott Feldman, who we traded to Baltimore for Jake Arrieta and Pedro Strope. Brian Dempster, who I love the guy, but he, he was on his way out as well. Traded him Texas along with Matt Garza, and we got six pitchers in return. Kyle Hendricks, Justin Grimm, D.J. Edwards. 
these guys were staples in our pitching staff. Oh, yeah, then we signed John Lester. And we knew that after the season in 14, when we had Ricky Renteria as our manager, we knew we were ready in 15. That's why we went out and got John Lester. It was the right thing to do at the right time. Theo jumped on it. We got him. And then we started adding some pieces here. And obviously Ben Zobris and John Lester were the two biggest pieces for me that we added. And obviously Zobris coming off a World Series win in 15 with the Kansas City Royals. And if we would have beat the Mets in 15, rather than getting swept, we would have been end up playing the Kansas City Royals in the World Series facing Dale Swain. That's true. Chris Bosio uh, joins us and uh, talking about Theo Epstein resigning after nine seasons with the Cubs. Obviously, Boz- Chris Bosio, the former pitching coach with the Cubs, hired by Theo Epstein. And, of course, uh, the added, adding Chapman to that bullpen certainly helped get that World Series as well. But I want to ask you real quick about where does Theo Epstein go down in history in that? Because certainly I know it's hard to compare errors, especially with GMs and building teams and things like that. But just the fact that Boston and Chicago, the lovable losers from the American League and the National Leagues with almost 100 years for both of them between World Series, and he brought championships to both those cities. I mean, he's obviously got to be a no-brainer for the Hall of Fame, right? The body of work speaks for itself. Um, I had a conversation with Pat Gillick, who I had the pleasure of working for when I was with the Seattle Mariners and got to know him not only as a player but as their, their pitching coach in AAA and then a special assistant in the front office. And when Theo asked, you know, or Theo asked me to come down to an interview, I called Pat. I talked to him, and I asked him, I said, what do you got on Theo? He says, what's going on? I said, I think I'm going to get offered the pitching coach job if I don't screw up this interview. He goes, <laughs> I just talked to Theo an hour ago, Boz. He goes, all you got to do is show up and don't be late. He goes, it's your job. And I said, you're kidding. He goes, no. That's who he wanted. That's who Dale wanted. And I told him exactly who you are, that you will get the absolute most out of every pitching staff that you've ever been with. Look at his track record in the minor leagues going into the major leagues. And I, I was floored. So I had a little bit of vote of confidence from another guy, I think, at the Hall of Famer, Pat Gillick. And one thing I learned is never assume anything. And I went, I went there going, I, I want this job. I'm going to earn this job. I'm going to tell them exactly how I feel about everything from conditioning to scouting to treatment of players. And I did. And I ended up getting that job, and I – you know, I'm very lucky. I've got a huge network of friends involved in baseball that are in many different areas, whether it's in the media, on the field, off the field, or from afar. And I'm very, very, very lucky to play for Pat Gillick and most certainly, most certainly, most certainly the guy that helped break the curse in Chicago. You know, I mean, Theo Epstein is going to, He's going to go down in history as one of the best ever. The guy's a rock star. I'm telling you, he's as big as anybody in the city of Chicago and will be forever because of what he's done. You know, Boz, when we look at the Cubs the last couple of years, you can you just kind of get the feeling that they did underachieve a little bit. And I'm just wondering, you know, I know he was there for nine seasons, 
and he maybe just needed a break. Do you think that that things have tapered off there a little bit within the organization where he said, hey, maybe now is is, is a good time to get out of there? Because, I mean, if, if you are a Cubs fan, you can, or even a White Sox fan, you can even make the argument that things are changing in Chicago, and there actually may be more hope going into next season on the south side than the north side. I think that's very fair to say. Fuck away from the game that are successful people entirely. He's going to be involved somewhere, some way, shape, or form with somebody where somebody's going to call him and say that, you know, he's an opportunity that he just, he just can't turn down. So, Boss, let me ask you this. When, do you, when we look at the Cubs, okay, when you look – you're going to get the results. When you look at the Cubs going forward, are there some, some holes there? Are there some problems there? And the guy who comes there and takes over, what are they going to need to do with this team? Well, you got to develop the, the minor league system again. I mean, they, they got a couple prospects coming up, but, you know, it's well documented that there's a hole there again. When you're, when you're always going for the division with the opportunity to go into the playoffs, you know, you, you're, you're typically the lower market clubs, they'll, they'll take flyers on a lot of young guys and let them develop because they can't afford them. Chicago is in the position to, maybe overpay some guys that might have been underpaid on other teams because of what they can provide, the experience, Wrigley Field, the chance to getting in the playoffs. They've done it almost every year, and that's attractive for players. Chicago's a wonderful place to play. Sometimes you don't get an opportunity to sign a contract with a first division club, and you've got to settle. But most of the time, the Cubs, because we have a system in place that will recognize the guys that are maybe underachieved and they can get the most out of them. And I, the last couple of years, I call them the no-name bullpen. Because in 2016, we had a bullpen that was pretty good, and these young kids made names for themselves. 17... I don't think we had as good a team as 16, and I think in 15 we were better than 2016. So your, your, you know, your argument about underachieving, I would say, yeah, we probably should have won three World Series. But, hey, changes were made at the coaching staff. When there are changes made at the coaching staff, the relationship status with these guys, it leaves. And then players leave. And now you're bringing a whole new cycle of, of players and it takes time to get going. And then most certainly this year with the COVID, everybody tried to do the best they could. You know, it was a, it was just a weird year, a weird year. And hopefully the new system, I'll say that they've set up losing all these minor league teams. I just pray that a lot of professional baseball players out there, you know, are not stuck without jobs because, Basically, half of the positions have been taken away because we no longer have those minor league affiliates. It's a big hole, and it's a big issue. In, in transitioning to that, I was going to ask you, you know, with Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball, because, again, we have that here in Las Vegas, and, you know, with the Aviators, and just, we just had this conversation a few weeks ago, uh, 
with you know management there is like, hey, we have to play with fans. And we've talked about it many, many times. I mean, you know what minor league baseball is all about, to, what it means to, to those communities here. Is there any indication that we're going to be able to have fans in major league parks and minor league parks come this spring? I think the answer to that is no, because if there was an agreement that was going to be had, I think it would be in place because the amount of minor league pe- teams and cities that you're talking about, there's no way you can get all of those cities under contract the way they were. I think that's almost impossible. And if it happens, I'll gladly go on there and say I was wrong, but it's a big, big task that they got to overcome. And then some of these, I'll call them satellite cities that are signing these agreements. TC, I don't know. I, I can't see how it's going to be better than what we had in place because of the history of the game. You're messing with the history of the game, you know, and the baseball gods are going to frown upon us on that. There's nothing wrong with continuing to play the way things used to be. People enjoyed that. People volunteered their time for that. Minor league players, some guys, yes, they made a living on it, no matter what the salary was. And, and yes, once you get to a certain point of six years, you begin to make money. But a lot of guys are never going to have that opportunity and getting drafted just means getting drafted because a lot of them, after one season, were home trying to find jobs, working for DoorDash or Subway. When they're, they know they can throw 93, 94, they're left-handed, they go in the fifth round and they're out of a job. It's just not fair. It's not right. We've talked a lot about with the major leagues and certainly the AAA club here in Vegas, the Aviators and the beautiful new ballpark they have in that. Is one of the unfortunate realities of this whole COVID situation might be that even if those leagues can survive, could we possibly see like single-A baseball or developmental leagues and that kind of stuff? Some of these teams, like so many restaurants and stores, just go away forever because they'll never be able to recoup from this? I would keep my eye on that Nashville group. I know that they're very motivated. I believe it's the same group that built that new baseball stadium on the river downtown right next to Titan Stadium. Right. They've, they've got some heavy hitters on that board, and I'm, they're not there for eye power. They're there for a reason. You got Dombrowski, you got La Russa, you got Dave Stewart, and then they got this ownership group out of New York. I would keep a close eye on that for maybe a bigger and a better league that might be coming to fruition. That's about all I can say on that right now. Yeah. All right, Chris Bosio joins us. Bos, let's uh, real quick. I want to get some thoughts, even though we had the awards last week, that the uh, Cy Young Award winners both were playing ball in Ohio. We had Trevor Bauer with the Reds and, and Shane Bieber with the Indians. I'm not sure that we were looking at either one of these guys before the season started that they could be the Cy Young Award winner. There are a lot more high-profile names, but uh, I know it was a COVID season. It was a shorter season. Real quick take on both those guys taking home the Cy Young. Both deserved it. Both were the best pitchers in, in both leagues. And they ran away with the with, – you know, I mean, it really ran away with, uh, with the votes there as well. All right, we've got uh, news that came out today before we went on the air. Robinson Cano – is going to be banned for one year for taking performance-enhancing drugs. 
Not a good look uh, for Cano. Not a good look for Major League Baseball. Give me some thoughts on this when you hear this. My first reaction was, wow, and welcome to the Mets. <laughs> right. <laughs> My goodness. What else? What else? Seems like every every offseason something happens to those guys. You know, and, you know, it's crazy the things that happen, and I'm just shaking my head right now in disbelief. I, you know, I just, I can't believe it. I, you'd like to think it was a mistake, you know, that some happened, but, God, these mistakes keep happening. You know, but you, you got me there. That was a wow. I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, yeah. Robinson Cano, banned one year, PEDs. And, and, you know, it's funny, too, because a lot of people, they act like they always talk about the steroid era and that. I mean, there's still people here and there trying to get an advantage and trying to skirt the issue and that kind of stuff. I think baseball's done a great job of cleaning up steroids and, you know, enhancing drugs and that kind of stuff. But but it, it it's kind of foolish to think that somebody isn't still going to try to get an edge here and there if they think there's a test out there that they can beat it or whatever. You know, I, I just... There's just so much to lose for every individual, you know. You know, you lose your salary, you lose your service time, and, and Robbie, you know, I I don't know the reasons. You know, Robbie's going to lose I, $24 million, boss. Think about that. $24 yeah, I, He's got the humiliation. He's got that, his reputation. But he's losing $24 million as well. Yeah, I'm not even in that batter's box, buddy. I don't <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, I've never seen that field. That's T.C. <laughs> Martin money. <laughs> hey, he's the he's the doctor. <laughs> yeah, and what this is the the second in three years that uh, we've oh. heard rumblings with him. Yep, that's that's what I was thinking. Was the last one in sixteen or seventeen? Right with him. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just. That's what I was just thinking. Man, about. man. That's too bad. It is. You know, ever ever since he held you to that triple and you didn't go yard on him, he got that big bonus. So, <laughs> I got the W. Let's remember that. I'm on the mound. I got the W against that Cordova Lancer team. That's the most important thing. It was a shutout, too, baby. I don't know what Bozzi was wow. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Enough said, baby. That's all I got to say. He, and then he, when people say this to me, and we have this conversation – Bosio always has a last laugh. I go, look at this guy. He got to the show, and I didn't. He got to the show. You're doing a show. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> at least I got a show. Where's the Where's the drum? Where's the drum? Come on. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I'd rather have the drum. Exactly. Give it to Numchuck. Sounded like Hartman from the South Park. But I don't yeah, know. I don't know what there you go. Doing. I don't know what he's doing, man. All right, my friend. Uh, we all good with you? Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 your doctor says you're healthy. You're you're doing good. Everything good there in Arizona? Yeah, I got to keep wearing this shoulder sling, and, and you know I got to get ready for the rematch. <laughs> you, keep, you keep calling me out. You will see a cutter, buddy. I'll see a cutter exactly. And you you're gonna get. I'm even gonna telegraph it to you right now. You're getting the EFAS pitch, brother. That's it. I know you Dude. can never hit a slow pitch softball. I'm gonna go ahead and give you the big fast wind up like I had back in the day, the Juan Marichal high kick, and I'm coming EFAS on you. That's that's what the last pitch you threw me looked like. <laughs> of course. All right, man. We'll I'll let, do it myself. Yeah, do it yourself exactly since Numchuck's falling asleep the way. He'd rather play crickets instead. 
It would no, he probably fell off the chair from laughing too hard. That's true. He did. Hey, you know what this guy's wearing today? And uh, so we talked about it at the beginning of the show. He's got a, a Tua jersey and Miami Dolphins. I had to tell him that he's got a ripoff because he's not the original number one that wore with Miami Dolphins. You want to clue him in and tell him who the original uh, number one jersey for the Miami Dolphins way back in the day no, but for the Folsom Bulldogs, it was T.C. Martin, number uh, one. No, it was number 21. Get that right. There you go. All right. I, I, thought, you'd, I thought you'd come with a Gary Uprimian reference. I thought you, you could remember no. Gary Uprimian from back in the day, boss, because you used to kick no. field goals. You were a huge field goal kicker yourself back in the day. Punt, pass, and kick I champion. Was. People don't know that. Punt, pass, and kick champion. That's right. Well, it was the Midwest. That's when I was booming them back then and come to California. And then they want me to throw 90. So I said, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing Gerald, your premium couldn't throw 90. <laughs> Thanks, My guys are back. <laughs> My guys are back. All right, man. Be good. We will uh, catch you later. Uh, eat well tonight, my friend. Eat well. TC, all I know is back in the day, you and I both had hair. That's it. This is true. And neither one of us do now. I'm the what only one shame. in this That's right. that has it. Yeah. I, I, Frank's older than us, and, and he kept his hair. I've just I've never understood that. So the one thing my dad left me that was worth something. He had yeah. good hair too. Well, that's that Midwest. That, that, that's a Chicago living for you. Passed I guess. away at seventy and didn't have a gray hair on his head. Unbelievable. This guy still still looks like a rock star. Unbelievable. All right, boss. Thanks, yeah. brother. We appreciate you, man. Have a good one. We'll talk to you later. All right, guys. Take care. There he is. I mean, Meatloaf was a rock star. So why did you yeah. kind of look like a rock star? You, you look like Meatloaf. <laughs> If you could have meatloaf, I don't want nothing to do with meatloaf. By the way, the meanest cutter of all time? Yeah. You're asking me or are you telling me? Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> <laughs> that is the way that we will go to the next hour. We will leave it there. Say no more, squire. Is our good friends from Monty Python. I've had worse. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know, every time Bazio comes out, I just know that there's going to be a, you know, a dagger thrown at me or a remembrance of our high school battles together. And I thought we'd get through the entire interview this time around without it. But nope, he had to come at it again. But that's okay. Well, you brought up the 24 mil, and it just, you know, it's just all psyched in. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, it, it was just a fluid transition. Fluid transition. There you go. All right. When we come back, stay tuned. Paul Westhead is going to join us. One of the most innovative basketball coaches of all time. Look forward to that. He's got a new book coming out, too, uh, called The Speed Game, My Fast Times in Basketball. It's available on Amazon. Make sure that uh, you go check that out, and you can hear from the head coach when we come back on the other side of the hour. Plus, Scott Spritzer will join us. We will take a look at all of the college football games that are still I guess, standing on the docket. Tentatively scheduled to play. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) At least 13 uh, canceled, including UNLV Colorado State from this week. All right. Ballpark Frank's here. Numchuck's here. TC Martin show on a wild Wednesday, hour number two, right around the corner.